Well, hey, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Frontline Community Church's weekly podcast. We're a church based in Ramstein, Germany, and we have a simple mission, and that's to love God, to love others, and to help others love God. Now, we do this by being real, relational, and relevant. Now, as you listen to our podcast today, we hope that you're blessed and that your journey with Jesus Christ becomes stronger than ever. God bless you. Good morning, Frontline. Good morning, Facebook. Good morning, YouTube. I don't think I've ever said that before. It is so good to be back, to be back here, to be back in Frontline, back in Germany, back with my family, back with friends, even though I don't recognize a third of you. I've been gone for the last two years back in the States, uh, Hampton, Virginia to be exact. Shout out to Branches of Divine Community Church for taking care of me the last two years and uh, keeping me from going crazy. Um, I thank God for you and thank God for that ministry. So, as Pastor John said, my name is Ita. Uh, I have been a member here at Frontline uh, since 2009. Amen. Amen. Yes. Um, and it is a blessing uh, to be able to call Frontline Community Church home. Uh, I also want to thank Pastor for uh, the opportunity to stand in his stead this morning. Uh, it is a daunting task. Uh, to say the least, because uh, I know you all have been hearing Pastor John speak for a while, and so you're probably wondering, who's this dude? <laughs> um, I am who God says I am. Amen? <laughs> I am who God says I am. Enough said. I'm a beggar telling other beggars where to find bread. So, 2020, all right? Um, tough year. We started out this year, you know, with the whole 2020 vision. I remember I, I, I preached a sermon on the first Sunday of the church in Hampton, and it was all, everyone was so excited. They were using that 2020 vision quote. You know, some people, pledge to have New Year's resolutions. I'm not a resolution guy, because I'm not a quitter. Um, some of you are honest with yourselves. Um, but it was so exciting. And, you know, there's a famous quote by a very uh, famous athlete. Uh, he said, everyone has a plan till you get punched in the face. Anybody know who said that? Mike Tyson, yeah. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. And did 2020 just punch us in the face or what? Um, and I'll tell you, when you're on a mission trip to the U.S. like I was, without your family, um, it, puts, it does a number on you. You know, you go home every day, you're by yourself. Uh, I didn't have cable TV, so I, you know, I'm just sitting there and it's just happening. You know, it started out with a, a tragedy that killed 
members of a family in, in hills of California. Everybody remember, you know, Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the families that were impacted. And then there was an earthquake in Puerto Rico. There were locusts in East Africa. Um, and, and it was just, it was, it just started snowballing. And I'm sitting there with this morbid fear, right? That I'm gonna wake up in the middle of the night, slip and fall, hit my head on the porcelain in the bathroom, and they're not gonna find me till Tuesday. I was just fear, just anxiety, right? And then, you know, COVID happens. And the world just goes crazy. It just, it just felt like, uh, uh, what just happened? You woke up and you could just see this thing, the spread go on and the world went crazy. And if you're, if you're a believer, if you subscribe to the way, you're thinking, what do I do right now? You're probably opening up to Revelations going, what does it say? <laughs> Revelations, locusts, is this the plague? Which one is this? Locusts, I see those, earthquakes, oh my gosh. It's about to be over. And so we feel like we're exiles in a world gone mad. And you know, Pastor has been preaching this series, as the title indicates, and really saying that we have to resist this temptation to assimilate and just be like everyone else as Christians. So it, it, it was kind of crazy for me. And, and so if you don't mind, before I get into this, I, I got to talk to my father and just ask for permission. So please join me real quick. Lord, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my rock, and my redeemer is your servant's prayer. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks. Thanks for indulging me with that. I just I got to clear that up with God first. Um, so 2020 goes crazy and I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm in Hampton, Virginia, and I had, I had taken up running. Um, yeah, I know it's, why would you do such a thing? I had taken up running, uh, cause it was the only time of the morning, five o'clock in the morning where I could run and not have to wear a mask. No one was crazy enough to wake up at that time of day. So I woke up and I would just go for a run. Um, and then it just the news just hits, you know. A young man that looks like my son was shot to death while running in Georgia. And I'm just thinking, oh snap, I can't run anymore. Because that, that dude looks like me, he looks like my son, and I can't run anymore. And then I'm thinking, you know what? Lots of parks around where I live. I'm gonna just go relax, just sit on a park bench, just relax. And then there's another news article. You know, lady's doing something she's not supposed to do in a park. Dude says, hey, you're not supposed to do that. And she goes, I'm just gonna call the cops and tell them you're threatening me. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh snap. I can't go to the park anymore. I can't, I can't run, I can't go to the park. And then George Floyd happens. And now I'm just thinking, I can't live anymore. I just can't be. And so I was tired. I was literally tired. 
Because when I put on my uniform, I'm a superhero. Old ladies at Atlanta airport, give me cookies. Thank you for your service. People buy my meals. Thank you for your service. But then when I take it off, I don't get that. I don't get that hero status. I drive a German car, and when I drive that car out of uniform, how can you afford that? What do you do? You must sell drugs. That was my 2020, emotionally. That was my 2020. And I knew I couldn't live like this. I remember I called my boss, and I said, uh, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And so we talked for about an hour. And then I called my friends, and we all said, we're not okay. So we talked for about three hours. Then I called my son, and we talked, because I was so worried about him. And we talked, and because that was the beginning of my own healing. And so, so far, in this series, Pastor John has referred to a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And, and this is a story where Dietrich was frustrated with the German church and how it supported uh, Nazi, Nazism. And so he took, his friends were like, you can't do anything about that. You're just one person. You're crazy if you think you can take this on. And so he took them up to a hill um, and he, he looked at a German camp, a Nazi camp, and he go, what we are, who we are, has to be stronger than that. Has to be stronger than that. And so pastor, in the previous Sundays, he's preached that truth must be greater than lies, blessings must be greater than bruisings, celebration must be greater than cynicism, and then Last week, assurance must be greater than anxiety. And so today I want to do this. I want to have a conversation. I want you to understand that in a world gone mad, Facebook, conversations must be stronger than comments. Conversations must be stronger than comments. And if you spend any time watching the news, you, you'll see that we're, we're in this space right now where lines are drawn and people are picking sides. You're either for masks or you're not. Not here in Germany, though. That's up to 10,000 euros if you think you're going to get away with that. Just don't play with that. You're either for schools opening or not. You think all lives should matter, not just black and brown ones. Everyone has an opinion, and we get so wrapped up in the comment section of tweets and posts that we never even engage in a real conversation that could lead to healing, restoration, reconciliation. Some people actually don't even believe healing is required. Somebody told me back in July that I was playing a victim. Oh, it was a Christian, by the way. 
And so I'll be honest, I'll, I'll just be real with you all. Uh, when I see some of the things us Christians like and comment on and share, there's, there's a part of me that silently wishes to have nothing to do with them. This is what I say to myself. If that's how you feel about that issue, that's probably how you feel about me and my family because we're directly affected by that. But then the Holy Spirit quickly reminds me that to be a Christ follower, my audio needs to match my video. I'm wearing this t-shirt that says grace lest anyone should boast and I'm ready to cancel people. Come on now. And so Jesus' ministry on earth was filled with uncomfortable conversations he had with individuals and groups where those who left him were forever changed by that interaction. In fact, the good news, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I didn't make that up. That's straight word. I didn't just come up with that cool quote. The gospel is the power of God for salvation, not to some people, not to people you like, not to people you just care about, everyone. Everyone. And so if we're gonna rise above this madness and be in the world but not of the world, then we must get to a place where engaging in life-changing conversations is greater than drawing a line in the sand with our comments. I like the way James, Brother James puts it in the New Testament about our words which come out of our tongues. He says, but no human, this is James 3, 8 through 10, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of poison. With it we bless our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God, imago Dei. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not so to be. So where do you fall? Are your comments blessing or are you cursing? Are your conversations leading to healing and restoration? I need you to process that. Use that as your filter every time you feel the need to share, like. Are you healing? Or are you just trying to just put your foot down about your ideology? Is that gonna lead someone to Christ? Do people know you for what you stand for or what you stand against? Check yourself. Check yourself. Your likes and posts are leaving a footprint that is either drawing people to the cross or not. Where do we fall? So today what I want to do is share an example of a time in Christ's ministry where rather than draw a line in the sand of judgment, he chose a life-altering conversation. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to, I want to read this story to you. I, I, I asked them not to put it on the screen because I want to read it like a conversation. 
It's John chapter 4. And I like the NIV. I usually typically use the ESV version, but the NIV sort of speaks to um, what I want to get across today. So this is Jesus talking. This is the talk with a Samaritan woman. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went, went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria, kind of like business I-85. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with those people. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can I get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, oh, young lady. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them, give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go get your man. Actually, he said, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband. Jesus said to her, yeah, you're right. When you say you ain't got no man. Fact is, you've had five husbands. And the one you let you now with is not your husband. What you've just said is true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship that you do not know. We worship that we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, that's me. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you there talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way to him. 
Wow. There's just so much here. I struggled, I'll be honest, I struggled with this all week. Actually, for the last two weeks. Um, I, I struggled because I've heard this story so many times. I've heard it preached so many times, and, and the takeaway is always typically the same. And, and so when I was looking at it, I was like, God, you got to want us to, to, to see this differently. This is one of the weirdest exchanges between Jesus and another person. Especially when I looked at it from my contemporary lens. So here's a summary. Jesus hears rumors that folks up north are tripping and comparing his baptism stats with his cousins. All right? Hey, I'm just, hey, you can go back and read this later. They're, they're tripping, right? It's like, hey. John's baptizing more than your boy. It's like, ah, oh, no, man, he's baptizing more than your boy. And so Jesus is like, you know, that's my cousin. I'm going to go up there and check out what's up. Now, he's in Judea. So it's Judea, there's Samaria, and there's Galilee. There's the River Jordan, and there's something to the right. And so when you look at the map, it says he just went, he had to go through Samaria. Actually, like many of us who don't want to talk to uncomfortable people or go through uncomfortable places, he could have taken business I-85 or taken I-295 North and just gone around, which is what we tend to do with places we don't want to go. Everybody knows that part of town where I just came from, it was called the Numbered Streets. You didn't want to be in the numbered streets. You know where those people hang out. When you were in high school and you came to the cafeteria, got your tray, you know what part of the cafeteria not to go sit in because that's where those people sat. You know what, you know it. This happens to us. But Jesus says, I'm going through. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. So he gets tired, sits down in a well. Disciples go off to get some donut kebab. <laughs> and this woman comes up, and he's like, hey, can you give me a drink? That sounds like a scene at a bar. Hey, what you drinking? Can you give me something to drink? So this is uncomfortable and wrong and weird on so many levels. One, Jesus, rabbi, that culture, not supposed to be talking to a woman. Two, her theology is different. She's Sumerian, different ethnic background. She's different. So you shouldn't be talking to her. Jews don't like Sumerian, Samaritans, sorry. They just don't care for him. So why is he hollering at her? So why would Jesus sit down and start a conversation with this woman. Why would he do that? The Bible says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Do you pick and choose who you talk to? Do you pick and choose who you're comfortable with? to invite to church? 
Or do you already just condemn them to hell? Who are you sharing your post with? Like-minded folks? Because they already think the way you think? It doesn't say go only to those places and to people that make you comfortable. Remember what happened to Jonah? <laughs> that brother was so adamant about not talking to those people, he was willing to die. That's how, that's, that's, he, he stood strong on his belief. He was like, nah, Nineveh, I ain't going. I don't care what you say, Lord, I am not going. And so God customized a solution to get his attention. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing. See how that plays out. It's, it's just, it's not natural, I'll be honest, it's not natural for us to engage in difficult conversations with people who are different, who are from a different background, different religion. I, I grew up uh, in, in Nigeria, in West Africa, and Nigeria is about 50% Muslim. Uh, when I was in primary school, and this is why this week was kind of difficult for me, I actually went to a Lebanese primary school. And so, I'm sitting here just wondering if some of the folks I grew up with are directly impacted by the explosions in Beirut. You know, and then I went to school up north, predominantly Muslim area of Nigeria, where Boko Haram now operates. And I'm just thinking, oh God, look at what you took me through, you know? Um, and I'm going, I grew up in a, in a country with almost 200 million people. And we all were the same color. But still, you still had division, you still had strife, you still had prejudice, you still had unconscious bias, even there. But it's not what we're called to do. You can't make peace in a world that's gone mad if you don't first make conversation. Facebook, YouTube, Frontline, and we know that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. We can't heal if we don't talk. But a lot of us don't want to do that. Instead, we make comments, we hide behind a mouse click with likes and shares. Maybe we're hoping that our likes and shares will let them know where we stand and where we draw the line. Unfortunately, the way we do it, it doesn't lead to the same outcome that Jesus had with this woman. So back to the story. So Jesus and this woman, they're talking about water. It started out with him being thirsty, and now it's about how thirsty she is, not in a slang term. <laughs> I don't mean thirsty like that. Parents, ask your teens, they'll tell you. Not that kind of thirsty. But guess, look what happens when the conversation starts to get deep. She gets defensive. She gets defensive and she immediately turns the subject into this theological debate. Don't we do that too? You know, when conversations start getting deep, we do a 180 from the point to deflect our own guilt and shame. And then we come back with our counterpoint. You know, she wants to know where does Jesus stand on, on worship. And Jesus, he does respond to her. But they could never have gotten to that point if he wouldn't have first sat down and had a conversation with her. 
That's what I want you to see. It's not that we can't disagree. We just need to talk. We just need to talk. Somebody needs to listen. And so I started having conversations with people. I started talking about persistent dehumanization, started talking about oppression, unconscious bias. And the person just fired back with statistics to discount my experience. Well, what about, what about, well, what about, and you know, I'm sitting there going, why do I even bother? But then I'm reminded that my audio needs to match my video, Facebook. My audio needs to match my video. I'm reminded of the unconditional love that I don't deserve that I already get. And so I prayed and I prayed for the last few weeks, like God, help me understand this conversation. I had always understood that the reason this woman came to the well in the middle of the day was because she was of questionable morality and had been ostracized by her own community. But, but then when Jesus addressed her deepest need, she dropped everything, ran to the village, told them about her man who just called her out, and they listened and came back with her? Does that sound like somebody who was canceled to you? Homework. When you go home today, do your research on pop culture and find me somebody who was canceled, who came back and was an influencer. Shoot me an email. If you want to know my email, I'll give it to you after church. How about, think through this for a second. She had five husbands and now she was li living with her boo. In those days, men could divorce women for the most trivial reasons. I don't like your scrambled eggs. I'm out. No, not I'm out. You get out. Your feet are too big. Get out of my house. Bad haircut? Not working for me. Deuces. Five husbands. You think maybe she started to question why men were rejecting her so often and that she was probably gun shy about committing to this dude who had asked her out? Maybe it's just back then. That doesn't happen today at all. No, no one has that story. Or maybe she'd been a widow. In that culture, you guys remember Ruth? Your man dies, you got to marry his brother. Maybe he had five brothers. And now people in town think she's a bad omen, a black widow. So every time she comes out, people are feeling sorry for her. There's a phrase we use in Nigeria when you feel sorry for someone, you go, hey, yeah. Are you Nigerian? Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> Woo! Hey, yeah. That's what we say when we feel sorry for people. You think maybe she got tired of Aya all day. And so not coming at five o'clock in the morning to draw water was her saying, 
I just need some time to myself. I'm tired of being pitied. I'm just tired of people feeling sorry for me. I'm just tired of people not even wanting to talk. God, do something. My time here at the well with you, I just need to understand who I am. Who am I? Aren't you just glad Jesus took a detour that day? Whew. <laughs> she came for water. Jesus was like, I got you. He showed up. You will never get to connecting with people at the deepest level if you don't listen and don't engage those who are hurting, those who are oppressed, those who are dehumanized. Worse yet, you'll never get to point them to the cross. To the one who offers living water that quenches all thirst. Jesus gave her a thirst of that living water. And before the returning disciples could put two sentences together, she dropped everything, ran back to the village, and brought the rest of the town to the Messiah. Maybe it was the leaders of the town. Either way, she had that much sway in her community, which is why I don't believe she was ostracized. I think she just had a lot that she was going through. Not any different from many of us. And when she went back and said, gee, come see a man who called me out, told me everything that I struggle with, and gave me the answer. Could this be the Messiah? And they too had been struggling. They had enough sense to go, yo, with all my issues, if you found that person, I'm coming out with you. If you read the rest of the story, Jesus camped out there for two days. Forget the stats of his cousin. He camped out in Samaria for two days with people that they had hated for 500 years. Jesus hung out. Where is the uncomfortable place that you're going to park yourself so that you can point people to Christ? This message presents a challenge to us. On the one hand, we're exiles in a world gone mad. And in this series, we're called to resist assimilating into the world's way of handling crises. We can't get sucked into comments. I want you to take that away. We can't get sucked into comments, but rather we need to look for ways to offer living water to a thirsty culture. Second takeaway is the world is hurting. We are hurting too. And we who know God through Jesus Christ must be deliverers of good news of the gospel. We have to be seed planters, hope bearers, grace offerers. And yes, finally, our conversations must be greater than our comments. As the worship team prepares to come up, I, I want to close in a familiar prayer. And I wanted to share this prayer, um, not because I can't pray, but this really just speaks um, to a, a position that we can take as believers. 
It's a prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. And um, you can also Google it when you get home. But it just really um, lets us know what the world needs from us right now. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth. But the world sees us as just being salty. We're supposed to offer living water, but what the world sees is our ideology and what we stand against. They don't see us drawing them to Christ. The world needs us to be God's hands and feet. And that starts with a conversation. It starts with a conversation. Let us pray. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there's doubt, faith. Where there's despair, hope. Where there's darkness, light. And where there's sadness, joy. O oh, Divine Master, grant that I may not much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, for it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If this was your first time joining us online, please head over to the contact us portion of our website and say hi. We would love to meet you. If you would like someone from our church to pray for you, please shoot us an email at prayer at frontlinecommunity.org. If you feel led to contribute financially to this ministry, please visit frontlinecommunity.org forward slash give or email giving at frontlinecommunity.org. Please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and rate our podcast. We hope that you were blessed today and we'll see you next week.